Hi there, it's Julia Louis-Dreyfus. You may know me from my podcast called Wiser Than Me, where I talk to older women and get their wisdom from the front lines of life. I was amazed by how many people told me our show made them look forward to getting older, which is why I'm here to talk about season two of the show. Sally Field, Billie Jean King, Beverly Johnson, Ina Garten, Bonnie Ray, just to name a few. All hail old women. Wiser Than Me season two is out now from Lemonada Media. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. This is the John Fugelsang Podcast. Welcome to Tell Me Everything here on SiriusXM Progress. I'm Joe Sudbay, guest hosting this one more night for John Fugelsang. And this incredibly important night in American history, the president of the United States, Joe Biden, just delivered a speech at Independence Hall, really calling us, calling on us to defend our democracy, to stand up and fight for our democracy because it is under assault from MAGA Republicans. I just spent a few minutes talking to Dino Bedala on his show, and he's going to join us for the first part of our show to help further unpack it. Dean, welcome to Tell Me Everything. Thanks for having me. I actually missed the speech. I was watching The Masked Singer, so you have to tell me. (laughs) Yeah. How it went. Well, I was a little busy with uh, doing that there. I can't believe it. None of the networks, I'm a little disappointed, none of the networks covered it. I can understand why it was political in nature, but I thought at least a couple. I mean, he's talking about democracy, damn it. It goes to sort of what we were talking about before that. The media just doesn't grasp the magnitude of Dean, I, I've been just, you know, scrolling through Twitter to see what reactions are. You know what CNN reporters are worried about? CNN's Jeff Zeleny and Brianna Keller, that there were some Marines stationed by the door at Independence Hall. I'm not making that up. That is something. But, you know, they're not worried about the threats to democracy. They're not tweeting about the fact that, you know, Donald Trump (laughs) turned his MAGA forces against the media as well as against you know democracy. That's what they're tweeting about. It just says everything you need to know. It does. I mean, look, if if President Biden was having a rally and this was a rally and he had the U.S. Marines that protect him, they are standing at attention. It'd be different. This is actually, even though it's not in the White House, it was in Philadelphia, it was labeled by the White House as a White House event. So that's why you have the Marines there, just so it's clear right. for everyone, because it would be troubling if a president had military people surrounding him at political rallies. That's something Trump would have done, and Trump probably did it. We don't even know. But this is about preserving our democracy from the threat of a fascist movement. President Biden didn't use the word fascism today, but he defined fascism for people while defining MAGA, the idea of using political violence, allegiance to uh, one leader, chaos, uh, va- anger. These are all the, tel- the sort of the different steps or, or different trademarks of fascism. He defined fascism without using the word fascism tonight. So everyone hears that and they go, well, I don't like that. Well, that's good because that's fascism. And that means you're, you're a patriotic American. You don't believe in fascism. Thank God. Reject it. Right. And... And in rejecting it, you can believe in democracy. And I have mm-hmm. to say, uh, you know, and it's something w- w- I was on the air last week when we first saw Joe Biden give that speech last Thursday in Maryland, where he was so fiery and he was charged up. And you saw that mm-hmm. today. He gets very, very animated in, in, a, in a really great way when he talks about fighting for our democracy. And the other thing about Joe Biden is, you know, it, it's been interesting because a lot of the White House press corps have trotted in and asked um, Karine Jean-Pierre. But Joe Biden said he was going to work with others. And Republicans are saying, literally, they're saying Republicans are saying he's being mean to them. Um, <laughs> Jesus Christ, he's calling out what they're doing. You know? Right. He's, he gave, like, Kevin McCarthy gave a pre-speech today 
where he literally said Democrats are attacking democracy and then somehow intersected it with the FBI getting a court-ordered search to go into to Donald Trump's house. And there's no evidence to back up what Kevin McCarthy, the serial liar, says. What President Biden talked about, he, meant, he didn't mention Lindsey Graham. I don't think he mentioned him by name, but he did mention that there are people who are about threats of violence in the streets. January 6th is real. January 6th changed everything. We live in a post-January 6th world right now. And the result is, when there's even a threat of violence, people should condemn it. Instead, you have Donald Trump praising the terrorists today by saying they've been treated horribly. He said he's giving them financial support. And Donald Trump said today, on I think it was on Newsmax or a radio show hosted by a Newsmax host. And he also said that if he, if he wins, full pardons and an apology. You're going to apologize to people who beat police officers horrifically in an effort to overturn our election? You're going to apologize to them? That's your apology tour? Donald Trump should not be walking free. And I think President Biden understands that MAGA is bigger than Donald Trump right now. It's going to survive Trump. Trump's going to leave. And in the principles of mass movements, they, they substitute a new leader. That will be Ron DeSantis. And they will have the same love and devotion they have for Trump. They will just move it over like when there's cults. And I've been reading about this. This really happens. If a cult leader loses their, if a cult loses their leader, someone else comes in. There's times when there's, they call it substitution. And the person then, the group loves that new leader. That's going to be Ron DeSantis. He is much smarter, uh, much more crafty, and much more effective than Donald Trump. We're stuck with MAGA for a while. I, I absolutely believe it. And, and, you know, Donald Trump made that claim. And I'll play, I'll play the clip later in the show about, you know, apologizing to the January 6th wow. defendants and that he would pardon them. On the very day that uh, Thomas Webster, who was a New York City police officer, was sentenced to 10 years in prison for assaulting Officer Noah Rathbone outside the Capitol. And yep. the judge today was really hard on him. And he should have been because this was an assault, you know, and this is the thing, you know, these Republicans, Dean, they just give themselves away so often. Oh, we back the blue, defend the police, all that bullshit we hear from them. Oh, they're so tough on security. They're so tough on national security. They're willing to throw our entire democracy over in fealty to Donald Trump. And you are so right about substitute leader. If you watch Ron DeSantis, he's using the same movements as mm -hmm. Trump now. It's really creepy how he talks like him and he's acting like him. But he's really running a fascist state down there in oh, yeah. Florida. And our, our friends in Florida really need to throw him out in November I when the wish. nation's in trouble. I call Florida DeSantis Stan. I mean, he's changed yeah. it from an American state to this bizarre place where if you dare dare defy Ron DeSantis, he will punish you. He will use the power of government to suspend you from your job, like with the prosecutor Andrew Warren, who was on my show last week, to punishing Disney by literally government action, to firing teachers gleefully because they put a Black Lives Matter poster up in a classroom. But also, by the way, Joe, the delegitimization of anyone who can keep you in check, like an FBI... Um, and a police force when they're coming against you is also one of the signs of, of fascist movements. That's part of it. They want to get rid of the referees. They want to define what the rules and the law are. So when the police are arresting black and brown people, they're cheering for them. When the police are going against Donald Trump, then it's wrong. Uh, it's horrible. It's un-American to investigate our grand wizard. That's what they're telling you. And Ron DeSantis will be their new grand wizard. There's no doubt about it. And I've tweeted that, and Fox News wrote a whole article about me. Well, that's life, folks. That's I'm not. I'm from Jersey. We speak blunt. That's I love. <laughs> that's why I like Biden tonight. I like the bluntness. Uh, I don't think there's any place for being subtle or timid when the stakes are this high. Our entire self determination as a people is on the ballot in 68 days. It is up to us if we're going to determine our future, or is the MAGA world going to determine our future where the only elections, as President Biden said, that they will accept is when they win and they lose, it's fraud, meaning they're going to overturn the election by claiming there was fraud or committing an act of violence again and saying, well, there was fraud and we need to do that violence and we're the real patriots as they attack us. That's, we're in a unique position. I keep telling people, take a step back. 
we've never lived through this in our lives, yeah. what is going on. And that's because of, we have a fascist movement on the other side that we've never dealt with in modern era United States of America. Well, I think back, we, we saved democracy in 2020. Mm-hmm. And then our, the people of Georgia really saved it on January 5th, 2021. But we didn't even realize just how grave the threat to democracy was. I mean, we all stayed up late watching the returns on January 5th, 2021. I was actually on the air. It was really exciting. Uh, We stayed on the air live until about 2 o'clock, 2 a.m. and saw the results and knew we'd won. Woke up that next morning gleeful because Mm -hmm. we had a democratically controlled Senate, a House, and and the president was taking office in two weeks. And January 6th happened. And we didn't even realize the extent of how much we saved democracy then. Now we know. Now we know. And that's one of the things Biden said. If we do our duty in 2022 and beyond, because we're going to have to keep it up, all of us here can say we kept the faith. We preserved democracy. And that's really what it is about, Dean. It's not hyperbole, as Joe Biden always says. We really are fighting to preserve democracy. Absolutely true. And you know, generations before us were called to stand up for our democracy and called to stand up against fascism. And right now, that, that burden falls on us. And it's not a generation defined by age anymore. It's a generation defined by values, about a belief in self-determination in a democratic republic that your vote should matter and that you reject tyranny of the minority, you reject political violence. That is the generation that we're building a coalition of here. It's not an age one. It's really one about a belief in the system or not. The people who attacked the Capitol were at one point outliers, I thought, in the GOP. And then you had polls like a CBS poll a few weeks, a few months ago and one before that, which found that 57 percent of Republicans don't view January 6th as an act of terrorism. They view it as an act defending freedom. And I understood at that moment that over a majority of the GOP base had embraced fascism because using violence as a way to re- acquire or retain political power is really the trademark definition of fascism at its essence. That's what we're dealing with. And I'm glad President Biden talked about it. It's, and perhaps the fact, Joe, that he had been so attempting to build bridges with Republicans and has that it gives him more credibility than if he was every day saying this and people are like, well, he's just been saying it. He's been a mild-mannered man who, was, who got Republicans to agree on certain things. He tried his best to make it clear that MAGA does not equal Republican. The MAGA Republican is not the GOP. It's not the conservative movement. It is an anti-democratic threat to our democracy. And MAGA is a threat to our democracy. It's not a game. We're not playing games. It's not political theater. This is about our lives, your children's lives, your grandchildren's lives, living in freedom or telling other kids or other peers about what freedom was like at one time, but it's gone now because MAGA won. These are really the stakes. That was a wartime speech by President Biden. I have to be honest. It was like a president giving a wartime speech to defend our democracy. The difference is it's not crossing the ocean to fight fascists. It's defeating fascists here by ballots. Absolutely right. Dino Badala. Thank you for sticking around. I, sure, I, we didn't friend. get to finish our conversation. We had so much to cover, and it really is so great. It's always great to talk to you. It's always great to be on your show. It's always great to Thanks, guest host your show. And thank uh, you I, I love it. So and thank, thank you. you for guest thank hosting. You, you do a great job. And, and tomorrow on my show, we'll pick this right up at the top, and people can, can go through and kind of simmer in the speech. And then tomorrow, top of my first hour of my show, we'll talk about it, and we'll take calls there. But have well, a great night, Joe. Thank you, my friend. You do the same. Thanks so much, Dean. We're going to take a thank break you. here on Tell Me Everything. When we come back, I'll get on the phones. Back in just a few. This episode is brought to you by Philo. Do you love TV? Do you love saving money? Then Philo is your solution. Philo has shows, movies, and live TV for just $25 a month. You can even try it for free with their seven-day free trial. No contracts, no commitments, no hassles, just a better way to watch TV. Never miss a minute of shows like the hit docuseries Where is Wendy Williams or classics such as Friends. If you can't get enough TV, then there's no better way to watch. Philo has more than 70 channels like BET, MTV, and AMC. And the best part? You can try it yourself with their seven-day free trial. Sign up today at philo.tv slash poppods. That's P-H-I-L-O dot TV slash P-O-P-P-O-D-S to get 50% off your first month. 
CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. What a night, you guys. What a night. I want to get to as many calls as we can. We got a guest coming up in a few minutes, Gabe Vasquez, who's running for Congress in New Mexico's second congressional district, a real opportunity for a pickup. And, you know, it's looking better that Democrats can keep the House. So I'm looking forward to talking to him in a few minutes, too. But let me get on the phones. Mitch in Kent State. Mitch, what is on your mind tonight? Joe, nice talking to you. And by the way, first of all, have a safe and enjoyable weekend this weekend. Well, you, you deserve it. <laughs> oh, thank you so much. Thank you, Mitch. You too. Thank you. You know, uh, first of all, watch the speech tonight, Joe. Um, you, when, you know, how they're hammering uh, Joe Biden on, on his statement about the Semitism. But you know what? Just if you take a survey of the political persuasions of those people in Charlottesville, of the people at you know at the Capitol, the people at uh, you know in Syracuse, in Pittsburgh at the, at the synagogue, and in in Cincinnati, what is their political persuasion? Okay, it's MAGA. Okay, it's MAGA through and through. And you know he is right. He is absolutely right that that that, that strain runs through those people. And you know they can deny it all they want, but there is that strain. And and and, and Joe is absolutely right that uh, those people. Are hooked, you know, and and, and it's uh, you know it's it, it's it's their DNA, it's their freaking DNA, and that's that's it's just what's just who they are, Joe, and uh, you know it's so Joe is absolutely right as, as far as that, uh, you know, there are yes, okay, there are mainstream and there are you know uh, law-abiding uh, Republicans, okay, uh, I'll, you know we we know that we know people like that, we do have we have friends, family, and such and so on, they're Republicans, you know, and there's some that you know I don't agree with everything that they uh, uh, believe in, but. You know, we tolerate each other. We have conversations, you know, and uh, we respect each other's, you know, uh, right to to freedom of thought and, and, you know, how they, uh, you know, uh, with their idea of, uh, you know, uh, freedom and, and, you know, and as far as the, you know, it, you know, it's just part of our, you know, it, it's it's our, it, it's how we're weaved in this country, Joe. It's, you know, we're all different in some ways, but there's some that are even more different, more disturbing, more dangerous. Okay, and that's who those people are. It's absolutely right, Mitch. And look, they 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 they're all whining about the fact that Biden's being mean to them. Most of them don't even accept the fact that he's a legitimate president, for Christ's sakes. You know, like and he won fair and square. He won with more votes. He won the way we have always conducted our presidential elections and they're denying it. And that, to me, is just shows how blatantly hypocritical they are. They're all upset that Joe Biden's being mean to them. After Donald Trump sicked his minions, his mob on the Capitol on January 6th, we all saw it. And you know, Mitch, next week, those hearings are going to start again. Next week or the week after. And we're going to get more about what was happened, what happened with January 6th, too. So. I, I think I, I appreciate your call tonight, Mitch. Always good to talk to you. Take care. Have a good weekend. Let's stay on the phones. Uh, Lewis in New York, what's on your mind tonight? Oh, boy. Yeah, listen, first of all, I want to tell you how much I appreciate you, the civility, how respectful you are to your callers, and how much time you give them to express themselves. There aren't too many people like you, brother. Anyway, <laughs> that's not you. the reason I call, but it's easy to criticize, also. it shouldn't be so hard also to compliment. I think uh, we are making a mistake uh, celebrating some of those Democrats that are running for Senate. There's one guy, if he wins, I think he's going to be the second coming of, of, of Joe Manchin. This fellow in Ohio, what's his name, Tim Ryan? Tim Ryan, yep. I, I have a feeling he's going to be problematic. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't vote for him compared to any of those MAGA caca. But uh, that guy, there's something about him, I think, uh, is going to be placed mention you know uh, i i i would say um the thing about tim ryan is you know he's trying to be like a sherrod brown type candidate i don't think he gets it right all the time but ryan has been a, a reliable vote 
for Democratic policies in the House. So he's got a real track record that we can see. And one thing I like to point out, Lewis, is, you know, on May 2nd, and I know it was that day because um, uh, Tim Ryan ran an ad that he was shooting darts. And he said, you know, if you want a senator who uh, cares about culture wars, I'm not your guy. And I thought, oh, Jesus, what are you talking about there? You know, you're talking about you're not going to fight for LGBT equality. You've already voted for it. You're not going to fight for, you know, progressive values. You already have voted for it in the House. We know your voting record. That night, the we got the leak of the Supreme Court ruling. And he started tweeting that night about fighting for abortion rights. And I thought, OK, that's what we need to see from you, Tim Ryan. So. I, I think the, the most important thing, Lou, and you made the point, we really need that's to not, elect him because J.D. Vance would be a disaster. That's not the only reason I call it. I, I, being a veteran, I also think that our military has been uh, infiltrated all the way to the academy. Look at yeah. the core of those guys who are MAGA caca, especially those guys. You familiar with this guy, this Brigadier General Bolduc? Oh, the one in New Hampshire? Yeah, another another MAGA caca head. Now, see, that exemplified that some of these guys are always deeply rooted in our military. That guy, what's it, Mastriano? Mastriano. He's a military guy. That's yeah. right. Michael Flynn. Michael also, Flynn, too. Yeah. That, that's right. So that means yeah. that they're only grooming, let's use a Republican terminology, they're only grooming those cadets. How to yeah. probably one day uh, be dividing the nation, uh, you know, down south will be against the north, you know, this kind of crap. And also we have these other guys, every time they want to run in as a, as, a, as a military guy, ex-military, all of a sudden they were all special ops. I was in the yeah. military. I don't remember us having millions of special ops. It's a yeah. very selective group. And that's well, what I think do to kind of BS us. Right, I think sorry. the thing... No, no, Lewis, I, I, I got to jump because we, we, we've got to go to break before our next call. But I just want to okay. say, I do think there's a growing awareness about the need to screen in the military and in law enforcement for white nationalists and that kind of mentality. And like today, the guy who got the 10 year jail sentence was a New York City police officer and he assaulted police officers at the United States Capitol. Lewis, it's always good to talk to you. Have a good weekend and uh, we'll talk to you again sometime. We're going to take a break. Here on Tell Me Everything, we got a guest coming up. And when we're done, after the guest, we'll get back on the phones because I I know a lot of people are waiting and I want to hear from all of you about your thoughts on Biden's speech tonight. We'll be back in just a few. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. So, we all know there are under 10 weeks till November 8th. And we all know things have gotten dramatically better for Democrats over the summer. And we all know Democrats can keep the House and even expand the majority. It means holding on to Democratic incumbent seats and picking up some Republican-held seats. One of the best opportunities to do that is in New Mexico's 2nd Congressional District. And I am really excited right now that Gabe Vasquez, the Democratic candidate, in that district is joining us. Welcome to the show, Gabe. Hey, thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be on with you today. Uh, thank you for featuring New Mexico's beautiful second district and uh, happy to be here. Well, OK, well, let's start with tell everyone where New Mexico's 
second district is, just to give everyone a frame of reference, and then introduce yourself to our audience. Yeah, of course. So uh, New Mexico's second congressional district is one of the largest in the country. Uh, it spans both the Arizona and Texas border and the U.S.-Mexico border and the Colorado border. So if you think about New Mexico as a state, it is huge. Uh, but this district here is the second largest border district that includes the South Valley and the west side of Albuquerque. It includes Las Cruces, New Mexico, uh, which is my hometown here in the Mesilla Valley. And uh, it is just a gorgeous place with national forests, with deserts, with rivers, uh, with urban, rural, and Native American. And you are the nominee. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Let our audience know who you are, uh, Gabe Vasquez. Absolutely. So I, I am a product of the U.S.-Mexico borderlands. Um, I actually grew up in Ciudad Juarez, Chihuahua, but I was the first in my family to be born in this country. And I tell folks when I'm on the campaign trail that that comes with a great responsibility uh, to honor the sacrifices of my parents and my grandparents who gave me the opportunity to serve my community. And so uh, I am a son of a single mother who helped raise us in this country, who worked very hard for everything that she had. And when I had the opportunity to serve here on the city council, uh, defeat the chair of the Tea Party to take this seat, and now to run against a MAGA extremist Republican in Congress, um, I have taken those opportunities because the American dream means something uh, deeply to me and to my family. I want, I want, I want to make sure that uh, that American dream is available, not just to people like myself, first-generation Americans, but to everybody in this country and certainly everybody in this district. So you mentioned your opponent, uh, Yvette Harrell. She is a MAGA Republican. She's an extremist. She toes the line on on everything. And we saw a, a really important speech from the president tonight talking about MAGA Republicans. What is it? What's it like running in your district right now? What are people talking about? Are people understanding the threats to democracy and to the threats to their rights? Absolutely are. And, you know, it's not a partisan issue. It is this extremist issue when it comes to Roe versus Wade and the Dobbs decision and taking away the health care rights of more than 50 percent of people in this country or Yvette Harrell's first vote in Congress to decertify the elections of two states she doesn't even represent, Arizona and Pennsylvania, and later voting against veterans, voting against capping the price of insulin, voting against resupplying our country with baby formula, I mean, you name it, she has voted against any measure of progress that would bring uh, some type of relief to our communities, improve the quality of life of our communities. And so I think people here are sick of partisan politics. They're sick of people like Yvette Harrell and other MAGA Republicans uh, saying, talking a big game, but never actually working to pass legislation uh, that actually will impact people's lives here. And so I am hearing it, especially uh, from our independents, from our more moderate uh, Democratic community and from even more moderate Republicans as well. Uh, they are sick and tired of folks who uh, talk a big game and then just don't show up for them in Congress. And so I think we're seeing that here. We've seen it, obviously, in Alaska's special election. We've seen it in uh, New York's special election, New York 19. We saw it in Kansas with uh, with the Dobbs decision. Uh, people are sick and tired of, of uh, taking lip service from these extremist Republican politicians, and they're ready to continue to elect people who will act. And as President Biden said today, in his speech, uh, we have, you know, this is a monumental time in our history and the choice is in our hands. And of course, the ballot box has always been that beacon of democracy that makes us one of the greatest countries in the world. And so we have to honor that. We have to show up. Uh, but we also have to do our job as Democrats. And that means that, you know, for me in a majority Hispanic district as a native Spanish speaker, that we go out and connect with those folks uh, who don't traditionally vote or who don't vote in the midterm that we connect with our six uh, sovereign nations that are in this uh, district. And so we can't take anything for granted. we got to work for it. But I can't lie to say that I think people are pretty pissed off right now. And they're definitely on our side. That 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 That's just that kind of response. I've heard it from so many candidates who I've spoken to on this show and on our show, State of the State, state legislative candidates. It just seems to be a constant theme, no matter in, in so many different states, Gabe, that when you talk to voters, they want to talk. They're upset about the loss of democracy and the loss of rights and Roe v. Wade. And I mean, really, it, it doesn't we, the way you describe your district doesn't seem like it's well represented by someone who campaigns and talks about invasions on the southern border and votes against contraceptive rights. And, you know, like you said, voted literally to prevent Joe Biden from being president after he won the electoral votes in your state by a wide margin. 
That's exactly right. And, you know, I think like a lot of perhaps Republican voters that had buyer's remorse after electing Trump to president, uh, a lot of Republicans are now having buyer's remorse for a lot of their uh, Senate seats and their House seats. And we're certainly seeing that here. You know, Yvette Harrell, uh, she is one of the most toxic, one of the most extreme uh, Republicans in in the House. She votes, you know, right along with Matt Gates and Marjorie Taylor Greene and Lauren Boebert. And, uh, you know, for this election, as we are coming up in the next two months uh, during a critical time to get out the vote, she's trying to clean up her image. Like a lot of other Republicans uh, who are softening their tone on everything from from abortion uh, to veterans, uh, you know, to public safety. All of a sudden they want to be the good guys, you know, and I think that's crap. I think as 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 Democrats, uh, we have to call them out for for the decisions that they've made, for the votes that they've taken. And people are pissed. And so I don't think two months is going to be a long enough runway for Republicans to take back some of the damage that they've done to our democracy, to women's rights, uh, to our ability to live, uh, you know, the, the types of, of lives that we deserve to in the richest and wealthiest country in the world. Uh, it's time for the workers to stand up. It's time for uh, people in this country to rise up, take their rights back, to elect people who are going to reflect their values. And I think we're going to see it here in New Mexico's 2nd District. Can, can I ask you, David, so you've been you've been campaigning for a while now, and I'm wondering how the mood has changed over the past few months, as we have seen Democrats delivering even more since since the road decision. Have you noticed that in, change in um, enthusiasm, that change in interest among among the uh, voters? Absolutely. There is a palpable change and we feel it on our campaign. In fact, we just had to talk about this as a staff. We said, look, we're getting too many requests for volunteers. Too many people want to help our campaign out, whether it's canvassing, whether it's phone banking. Uh, of course, the financial support is always really appreciated. Uh, but we are taking in more requests than we have during this entire campaign cycle from folks who, who are pissed off, who are, who are fed up and they want to get involved. And so uh, we're seeing that. And, you know, I go places all across this district and even in conservative communities. And I hear from folks, you know, hey, um, uh, you know, I'm independent or, you know, I'm Republican, but I really like what you have to say. And I'm going to vote for you. And it's because we can't trust the other candidate or because, you know, we had an experience in my family that's very personal to us. And we want to make sure that uh, that we support a candidate who's going to support a woman's right to choose. Um, you know, I, I honestly, I got to wear sunglasses and a hat when I go out because folks are really fired up and they're saying, <laughs> hey, are you the guy? And I said, absolutely. And so I think there's there's a change in this campaign that uh, we haven't seen in the last several months. You know, one thing I'm interested in is um, NPR did this uh, a piece on this today about how and uh, and it's uh, about how Republicans are really trying to make inroads with um, with Latino voters, with uh, uh, black voters, with, you know, uh, native voters. And um, you're right in a district where that is, like you said, heavily Latino, uh, a, a large native population. What's your sense? Are Republicans able to make those inroads or is that just something we're hearing in Washington um, because Republicans are spinning that story? What's it what's it like on the ground? Yeah, well, first I'll say, you know, I think every Latino community is different. And and here sure. in my district in southern New Mexico in particular, but also in the South Valley of Albuquerque, it's a heavily Mexican-American uh, immigrant, first generation, second generation community, as well as, you know, traditionally Spano families that have been here for generations. So it's a, it's a little bit of a mix of folks uh, who identify as Hispanic or Latino in our district. But I can tell you that from everything that I hear on the ground, especially for those Hispanos who have been here for generations, is that they've come here for freedom. Uh, their families appreciate the liberty that they get in this country. And when you talk about Republicans and people like Yvette Harrell wanting to be in your doctor's office, in your bedroom, knowing what you're doing, spying on you on your phone to make making sure that uh, uh, that you're not able to make your own health care decisions. I mean, that is an intrusion of privacy. And so I think for Latino families, um, you know, we come here for this promise of the American dream. And if we've been here for several generations, we want to be allowed to prosper. We want to be allowed uh, to build businesses, to have healthy families. And I think they're seeing Republicans right now as a huge threat to that. And so in my district, I can tell you 56 percent Latino, the largest Latino congressional district in New Mexico. Uh, what I'm hearing on the ground is that they want authenticity. They want someone who's going to tell them the truth. They want somebody who's going to give them the opportunity to build a business, uh, to have a good paying job, to be able to send their kids to school, to be able to have health care that they deserve. Those are the bread and butter issues that Latinos care about here. And if we look at our polling information that we just released uh, not too long ago, Latinos overwhelmingly support my candidacy because not only do they see somebody 
you know, in a candidate that's much like themselves. But also um, Republicans haven't offered anything to Latinos besides the window dressing in places like Texas, uh, where in a special election uh, we might get one or two, you know, candidates uh, perhaps that, that, that do well. Uh, I don't think that's the case for the rest of the country. And I hate that that narrative spreads to places like New Mexico's second district because that's not the case here. Well, it's really important. And when we first started talking, I mentioned that this is one of the most competitive districts. The Cook Report, which is what everyone in politics goes to look at, rates this as a Republican-held toss-up. And one thing we know about <laughs> beating incumbents is if you're going to beat them, beat them after their first term before they get too settled. And this is Yvette Harrell's first term. This is her first election. So, Gabe Vasquez, I know you said you're getting a lot of help, but our listeners are fired up as just as your voters are. How can how can people people help you uh, take back this seat and help maintain a Democratic majority in November? Well, thank you so much for that question. And I can confidently say that this is one of the top house races in the country. Uh, the polls and the numbers certainly show that. The national attention we're getting here show that. So we absolutely need to make sure that we defeat Yvette Harrell because this upcoming midterm election and the Democratic midterm uh, midterms may come down to just one or two house seats. And this is going to be one of them. So for folks that want to support our campaign, I would encourage them to visit GabeForCongress.com. That's G-A-B-E-F-O-R Congress.com. Uh, we need your financial support to stay on the air, to keep our Spanish language TV ads and radio ads running in this district, uh, to make sure that, as you said, we make Yvette Harrell uh, a one-term congresswoman and that we get somebody effective to serve the people of this district and that we have one more champion for the values that we all that, that, that we all have ascribed to as people in this country, uh, that we can win this House, that we can make sure that we, uh, we these next two years under the Biden presidency, uh, that we can make real progress. But if we lose the House, obviously that is all in jeopardy. So there's just a handful of seats in this country that are going to decide that. GabeForCongress.com. We would love your support. Please sign up uh, to volunteer. But, and just as importantly, please support our campaign financially because we have to take every single dollar all around this country while my opponent, Yvette Harrell, is going to be taking corporate money uh, that's going to be handed to her because she's going to uphold the status quo. And we don't need any more of that in this country. Right. And you just released your first ad yesterday. Um, it's on Twitter. You're on Twitter at Gabe underscore NM. I'm going to retweet that ad right now so people can see it. It's a terrific ad and um, an exciting candidacy. This is this is like this. As Joe Biden would say, this is not hyperbole. We need to win this race. We need to take this seat away from Yvette Harrell. It's going to help, as Gabe said, keep the House in Democratic control. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us. I know you got a busy schedule. Really appreciate, really appreciate it, uh, Gabe, talking to you tonight. Hey, no problem at all. It is my pleasure. Uh, I'm actually out here with my team. We are building our uh, GOTV plans. We're making sure that we can win uh, this district. So we're doing our job. Uh, we're building an army of supporters and volunteers all across one of the largest house districts in the country. So if we can do it, um, I hope that we can count on listeners to help us do it, uh, to get there. And I would be so proud to be the next congressperson for New Mexico's second district. Thank you so much for your time and your help and having me on your show today. Well, glad to talk to you, Gabe. And keep in touch with us. Keep us posted because we, we need to we need to help you make sure this happens. It was great to talk to you. I really appreciate it. Oh, and I just like I said, everyone, I just tweeted the um, ad that uh, Gabe his first ad for the general election um, posted yesterday. It's actually got a link to his Ag Blue uh, page, too. So. That's really critical. So, yeah, I, I, I'm so glad that uh, Gabe could join us tonight. I want to jump on the phones before we go to break, though, because I know some folks have been w waiting and I want to hear what people are thinking. I want to hear what you think about Biden's speech. Dave in Washington, what did you think? What's going on? Hey, not too much, Joe. I, overall, I thought it was a great speech, but there was a guy, a uh, Republican strategist on before um, McCarthy's, uh, you know, his, his rebuttal. And he said the harshest things I've heard yet about Trump. And he said that if McCarthy, uh, you know, criticizes um, Joe Biden about the fascism thing, they're going to lose. He said the Republicans are going to lose because what they what Americans care about are um, kitchen table issues like inflation, you know, jobs, all these sorts of things. Right. 
And I think it's really kind of both things. I think, and you know, and, I, and generally, I think Joe Biden hit it. He he hit on the dangers of of fascism. All right, it's spreading around the world. I mean, it's like yeah. uh, I don't know if anybody noticed today, but um, uh, they they seized fifteen boxes of documents, very similar to what happened in Mar-a-Lago, at the um, at the at the homes in Florida and in New York, Manhattan, of Victor Veckelsberg. Uh, he was also mentioned in the Mueller report. He's a Russian oligarch. This thing's really a tale of two oligarchs. There was another oligarch in Moscow that mysteriously fell out of a hospital window. He criticized <laughs> yeah. Putin's war in Ukraine. You know, mysteriously. And, and Isn't it is, funny how that stuff yeah. happens, Dave? Just mysteriously falls out a window. I mean, Jesus Christ. Yeah, and he's not the first one. He's like the 15th one, they said. But anyway, <laughs> how does it keep happening is, to all these uh, <laughs> Russian journalists and millionaires. I don't understand. You know, it's crazy. <laughs> yeah, and 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 basically, all right. Uh, there was a caller on on Dean's show that said, you know, she was talking about women, and she mentioned um, anyone with a uterus. And the reason why she said that is because she 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 admits some women don't the the the, the choice uh, the choice topic doesn't apply to them. They're beyond childbearing years or whatever. But the second-class citizen uh, topic does affect them. And we all know that people can be second-class citizens and survive. Some can even thrive, okay? And, but, but here's the deal. Um, you know, when you have a large segment of your population that is second-class, which is inevitable in any autocracy, or any fascist state, it's, it's inevitable. They have to have. They have to have a huge pool of second-class citizens, right, to rail against. Yep. But when you have that situation, all right, you're, you're, you're hurting the economy. You're sacrificing your uh, McCarthy, his precious kitchen table issues. Or, or I'm sorry, that, that strategist that talked about how important they are, and they are important, right? But if you, if you side with Republicans, uh, particularly this MAGA brand, you are going to be sacrificing and forfeiting your um, your economic health. I mean, yeah, and you're right. And and I think Joe Biden laid it out. And I, look, Dave, I, I, like I said to Dean earlier, I'm just I was glad to see Joe Biden leaning in like this. And, and I do think something Dean said is right. Joe Biden really tried hard to work with them. He drove us, some of us, crazy the way he was talking about bipartisanship for so long. And he did what he could. And then, you know, they have taken over the party. And Donald Trump has taken over the party. And it is a danger to our democracy. Thanks. Thanks for your call, Dave. It's always good to talk to you. I want to try and squeeze in a couple more calls before we go to break. Brian in Oregon. What's going on, Brian? Good uh, interview with uh, Gabe. He was fantastic. God, you interviewed on State of State and knew what you're doing with John's show. A lot of great candidates. Oh, my God. It's so I love talking to him. And you know what's been fun, Brian, is just I mean, even talking to Gabe, too. And I felt the same way with Jevin. Hodge last week, Hodges, just yeah. kind of the excitement that you get from them. And they're just having a ball and they understand they understand the stakes, but they're also just there's just a lot of great energy with their campaigns. And I, I love that. Oh, it's fantastic. But I'm thinking, Joe, that people need to watch out for these with trying to pivot candidates like Masters and uh, oh, yeah. Arizona. And I was realizing that he uh, people say he scrubbed his website of his abortion stuff. I think he did an abortion on his computer to uh, get rid of his <laughs> right. ideas on personhood and all that crap. And, oh, yeah. Uh, and the guy in Michigan. Oh, yeah. Uh, that guy, Tom Barrett. Yeah, yeah. And then the guy in um, North Carolina's 13th congressional district, too. Same thing. A lot of them are trying to do it. Um, so, yeah, I feel like we have to be extra extra on guard for them because they are trying to get away with it. And no, we cannot let that happen. We can't. Yeah, And just look at Glenn Youngkin. He did the pivot and people bought it. Oh. And there he is, as soon as he's in office, doing mega policies and, and dictator, you know, can, the, can uh, I, the governor do the same like, uh, <laughs> you know, like what Biden did for student loans type of thing? Um, different states have different uh, authority and it depends on you know, whether the loans are um, ha have something to do with the state and different states are taking different approaches in Maine. The first two years of co community college are free, 
which is great. That's saving kids a lot of money. I, 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 know, I know some neighbors of my parents, their kids are going to community college for two years free. And then they'll transfer maybe to the University of Maine where they have to pay. But getting those first two years are free. So a lot of states doing things differently and it's creative. Um, and you in Oregon have a really important um, governor's race this year. Tina Kotek at the top of the ticket. Oh, yeah. That's um, I, you know, my you, uh, former state senator is Betsy Johnson. Um, oh. So there's two, like, uh, basically Democrats fighting it out. Yeah, and, and that could cost it. That would be bad. That would be bad. Oh, man. Brian, thanks for the call. I, always good to talk to you. Have a good weekend. And um, i got to take a break right now here on Tell Me Everything. We'll be back. We'll get back on the phones. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Welcome back. This is Tell Me Everything. And I'm Joe Sudby, guest hosting for John. And... I've been, this is the seventh night in a row. We've been talking a lot of politics. We've talked to, to a lot of candidates. And this cycle has gotten so interesting, right? I mean, you know, at the beginning of the year and even the beginning of the summer and even the beginning of August, we heard from pundits and prognosticators saying, yeah, it's a Republican year. It's a red wave. And that has all changed. So a lot of the change is happening online. And there are few people who track it as well and as deeply as our next guest, Kyle Tharp, who writes the newsletter, for what it's worth, FWIW News. It's about online tactics and trends in politics, and I'm really glad he could join us tonight. Welcome, Kyle. Hey, Joe. Thanks for having me. Well, I'm glad you could join us because it is it has, you know, this is just obviously a, every year is fascinating in American politics, but this cycle even more so than ever and so much at stake, literally our democracy and our rights. You are really on top of what is happening. Um, let's just start from a big picture view of how things are playing out online and um, with the different campaigns, who's doing what and just give us a big picture and then we'll dive in. Yeah, for sure. Again, thanks for having me. I love listening to the the callers calling in, you know, like scrolling through all this internet research every week. It's like amazing to hear from real Americans and, and Gabe Vasquez in particular was, was really inspiring. Um, and that's one of the races that we're tracking. Um, yeah. So, you know, like you said, this cycle is, is super interesting. Um, there's just like so many different things happening, particularly when it comes to on online engagement um, and digital ad spending. Um, so like you said, with my newsletter, for what it's worth, we're tracking um, how much campaigns and outside groups are spending on things like Facebook ads and Google ads and Snapchat to reach voters online which campaigns are getting the most engagement and and likes and shares and views on their content online, who is deploying innovative digital organizing strategies um, around the country. And there's there's so many trends. I think I sent you an email earlier with all of these different things I wanted to talk about tonight. But um, but I think top line is I've been extremely impressed with how 
Democrats uh, are deploying all sorts of innovative online engagement strategies to reach voters this cycle. Um, you know, during the 2020 election, a lot was made of Donald Trump's uh, investments in digital outreach, whether that was Facebook ads or, or whatnot. Um, and Democrats really have had the field almost to themselves this year, particularly when we're talking about digital ad spending. I wrote a newsletter a few weeks ago that kind of revealed that the Democrats are beating Republicans in digital ad spending across the board, whether that's candidates for Senate, for, for House or for governor. Just in U.S. Senate races alone, to kind of paint that picture, Democrats have spent $24 million on Facebook and Google ads. Republicans have spent around five. And these are in the most competitive races in the country. So, you know, I think that's one major insight that we've seen. And there's tons of reasons for that we can dig into. Well, let's dig into that, because, I mean, you know, <laughs> one of the things it's so great to hear that Democrats are catching up because I, I, I've, I've been of the mind. And I think probably because, you know, we knew Trump had done so well that Democrats weren't quite as innovative and as um, aggressive online. And hearing that that has changed is really good, even even if it was true before. You know, we didn't believe it. We didn't understand it. But now it's happening. But why is the money? What what's the difference in the money? Why? That's pretty stark. Um, what What's your sense of that, Kyle? Yeah, I, I mean, I think for the, the digital advertising piece in particular, there's a whole bunch of theories um, that are super interesting. So so campaigns, um, you know, spend on digital advertising both for grassroots fundraising purposes, as well as to persuade swing voters and sort of micro-target them with different messages, right? Early in the cycle, campaigns are really spending a ton of money on things like Facebook ads to raise more money uh, and, and collect email addresses of supporters that they can go to throughout the cycle to, um, to fuel their campaigns. You know, what we've seen uh, over and over again for several quarters now, and I think the New York Times reported on this a few weeks ago, is that Republican grassroots fundraising, particularly online, has really dried up. Um, a lot of Republican digital strategists that I've spoken with or, or read about have blamed Donald Trump for vacuuming up all small dollar money, actually. So his campaign is you know, also going after these people. He's sending out all these urgent emails, please help me, whatever, let's save America. And all of these Republican grassroots donors have given to him and, and they're kind of tired of, of, of getting scammed. So that's really interesting. So Republicans don't have the money to spend on these ads or they're not having an effective return on their investment. And then, you know, maybe they're prioritizing television ads instead. A lot of these campaigns are run by old school consultants, a lot of old white men. Um, maybe they're saving their limited funds for the fall. Um, a lot can change between now and Election Day. Um, but overall, it's been really shocking to see, you know, in race after race, whether that's John Fetterman versus Dr. Oz, you know, sometimes you have 20 times the amount of investment on the Democratic side than on the Republican side. In governor and, and House races, it's not as stark as Senate races. It's about two to one advantage uh, Dems, but it's it's still pretty strong. Um you know, that could change. There have been some outside groups, super PACs, nonprofit organizations that have been filling the gaps for Republicans. Um, but it, it, it's been uh, it's been quite something to see. Well, it is really fascinating. And 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 the and, you know, we have heard that's one of the things that has been the big story uh, of late is the um, really poor fundraising, especially low dollar fundraising from some of their premier uh Senate candidates like Blake Masters and oh, in Arizona and J.D. Vance in Ohio. Um, and, and, to, and, and we know that, you know, uh, the National Republican Senatorial Campaign Committee has been pulling money from different states. But it's really funny, not funny, it's really fascinating to understand where the where their lack of money actually plays out. And the fact that it's happening online, I just find it really interesting. Um, yeah, I'm, I mean, I will say one more thing on that is that sure. there was a there was a three month period uh, between April and the beginning of August where Dr. Oz did not spend a single dollar on digital advertising um, in the middle of one of the marquee, most competitive Senate races in the country. You know, I don't think that digital advertising and Facebook and the Internet is the you know, be all end all of a campaign success. But it also, you know, having 
an effective digital ads operation running shows that you kind of have your shit together. And I think if you're not if you're not doing the bare minimum, it's a symptom of a much larger problem on the campaign. Um, and it's not just in Pennsylvania. We've seen it in other places, too. J.D. Vance in Ohio, basically non-existent digital program. Well, and it's also a, a place, you know, like like you said, a lot of campaigns still run thinking they're going to run their TV ads. And we're not saying TV ads aren't important, but it's not the only way to reach people. You need you need a, a multifaceted, multi-pronged campaign. So who who is trending? Who who are the trendsetters uh, online this cycle, uh, Kyle? Yeah. So, you know, on the on the digital advertising front, um, you have mostly marquee democratic senate campaigns are have been investing you know large amounts of money in facebook instagram youtube google snapchat advertising for you know over a year now so those are folks like val deming's campaign uh in florida you have rafael warnock i think has been consistently the highest spending u.s senate campaign in the country in georgia um mark kelly's campaign is running a really strong operation uh you know their deputy campaign manager is a is a former digital staffer himself. Um, so those those campaigns and, and Fetterman's, of course, um, have been have been consistently running advertising on these platforms, but not just fundraising ads. They've been running you know, educational, biographical, persuasion related advertising early and often this cycle, which is relatively new development. Um, what I also pay attention to, aside from the advertising component is which campaigns are actually catching on online. So we can look at data from, uh, say, Facebook, where we can see how many, you know, how many times a day a certain candidate posts on Facebook or Instagram, how many people are sharing that content, how many people are liking it versus laughing at it versus, uh, you know, putting the little angry emoji on it. And that kind of paints a picture of of real people engaging with the campaign. Um, so as you've probably heard a lot on Twitter and, and in the news, John Fetterman's campaign is absolutely crushing it by this metric, right? He has a complete army of grassroots supporters in Pennsylvania and around the country who are obsessed with him. And they feel like they have a sense of belonging and are on the Fetterman team and are just eager to share and create memes and different things, dragging Dr. Oz, making fun of him for his like crudite thing. Um, and uh, and so Fetterman obviously has has been trending and, and doing really great stuff online. Um, tomorrow's newsletter that uh, I wrote today actually um, is about another midterm candidate who's who's actually beating Fetterman in terms of this grassroots engagement, and that's Beto O'Rourke in Texas uh, running for governor. So you know, there's something about the Beto campaign that liberals uh, just love particularly on facebook he's he live streams everything he's sharing photos of these rallies in the middle of nowhere in texas that have huge crowds of people and so i've been really surprised uh you know we've all followed beto's career since his 2018 senate race his failed presidential campaign and a lot of folks aren't really paying attention to the texas gubernatorial election this year we think beto doesn't really have that much of a chance at least in dc but what I've really seen is that he's outpacing engagement from his 2018 race right now. You know, folks are more excited about him online than they were back then, uh, which is super interesting and, and definitely a race to watch um, by this metric. And then third, yeah. And then third, I will just say um, on the flip side of that, uh, there have been a number of far right gubernatorial candidates who are catching on and getting huge amounts of engagement on Facebook. Um, we're talking like 10 times the interactions, shares, comments, likes on their posts than their Democratic opponents. And those are Carrie Lake in Arizona, Doug Mastriano in Pennsylvania, Tudor Dixon in Michigan, and Scott Jensen in Minnesota. And, and that really, um, I think, illustrates uh, kind of the dark side of Facebook, that content that is really red meat and appeals to polar extremes is what is the content that that does the best in terms of performance according to Facebook's algorithms. And so, you know, Facebook and the internet is kind of a place where folks go to to share content with like-minded people and connect with like-minded people. And and that's kind of something that we've seen in these races as well. 
You know, you know what's so interesting um, in just hearing that breakdown is the Fetterman and the Beto uh, campaigns. And, you know, I check it out and I uh, just cause I like to track and see what's happening. And their campaigns are fun and energy. And Beto's campaign just has a sense of, you know, excitement and joy. And um, and then every now and then he'll call a bunch of hecklers motherfuckers and oh, yeah. lights up the Internet. Right. But it just seems like really positive. Whereas the the other side, it just feels like, you know, that Lake Mastriano Dixon. I mean, those are some of the more extreme candidates. So you've got that you've got that kind of divide. It feels like on the progressive side, what brings everyone in is like the fun and the joy and the excitement and the intensity and the the, the hope and on the other side it's like what's the worst thing we can possibly say right now <laughs> it just feels yeah. like such a juxtaposition for sure i mean fetterman's campaign has just been hilarious to watch it's you know their their social media team their digital team um are a bunch of gen zers and millennials that know how to make memes and and really fire up folks but they also have a lot of supporter generated content so they have a slack channel with something like two thousand fetterman supporters who are creating their own memes and they're passing it on to the campaign and the campaign will maybe share them um which is really unique and 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 super cool i think i think beto's campaign is really channeling a lot of Texans complete outrage over several issues that have been in the news this year, right? So so one is the you know, Texas power grid failing. He posts about that a ton, and that's really how we started to start attacking the governor, Abbott. Um, second is, is the Uvalde school massacre, um, which so many Americans were just completely dumbfounded by um, the Texas government's inaction after that crisis. And then uh, the third is abortion rights, as you can imagine. It's firing up Democratic candidates around the country. Dems are running ads on it. They're talking about it in Facebook Lives, on Instagram. Um, and that's really been the game changer this cycle. Well, that is really interesting that, you know, that, that those issues in Texas. But how is the abortion issue playing um, not just it, obviously in Texas where it's huge and we had SB8 and they were they were ahead of the curve and banning abortion, um, but in other races? Because I remember like Kyle, literally, um, this is something I feel like between the day the uh, the. Dobbs decision leaked in June 24th, I was hearing, you know, we. we are both from D.C. and know a lot of people in politics. I was having people in D.C. politics on the Democratic side tell me it's not really a big issue. It doesn't poll that well. And I was talking to state legislative candidates every week who were telling me it was the first thing everyone said when they knocked on a door, like even, in, you know, you know, and and um, so how how has that issue evolved? Because, I mean, when you have the kind of D.C. consulting class saying, no, it's not an issue, but the candidates in Pat Ryan in New York knew it was an issue. How, how, how has that started to play out and what has changed on the issue over the past few months? You're totally right. Um, I also you know, had those conversations with several other D.C. people who told me the same thing. I don't know if we should run on it. It's probably not going to be that big of a game changer. You know, I spoke, I interviewed a staffer for a state legislative race in, in Pennsylvania this morning, and she told me the same thing, that it has been a game changer, that folks are super energized and excited. It's changed everything. What I've seen online, particularly in advertising, in almost every single uh, statewide campaign on the Democratic side. Abortion-related messaging has been ubiquitous for the past month and a half, two months. I mean, they're talking about it everywhere and branding Republicans as extreme, you know, wanting abortion or wanting abortion bans with no exceptions, whether that's in Nevada or Georgia or Ohio or Pennsylvania or Florida, everywhere. And, uh, you know, something that kind of is a good tell as to whether it's an effective issue is Republicans are typically silent on the issue. You know, they are not running ads highlighting their abortion uh, credentials. In fact, this week, several outlets reported that 
Republican candidates like Blake Masters in Arizona running for Senate against Mark Kelly have been scrubbing their websites of their pro-life positions because they know that it doesn't play well in this general electorate, particularly when we are electing Democrats in places like Alaska and winning by double digits in places like Kansas. So, you know, Republicans are running scared from the issue. And that means that Dems should probably continue hitting it a lot harder than they even are. Uh, but it's yeah, such I think a it's tell, positive. right? Yeah, 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 for sure. Fascinating stuff, Kyle. It's so interesting. I love your newsletter. It's FWIW newsletter at substack.com. You're on Twitter at Kyle Wilson Tharp and FWIW News. Highly recommend follow. Uh, it, it's great stuff. And you got, you dig into stuff that a lot of people want to know, but certainly don't, don't just don't have the time and energy to, to figure it out. And you figure it out for us. So I always appreciate that, Kyle. And I'm really glad you could come and share a lot of your wisdom with us tonight. Yeah, it's it's super niche stuff. But, um, but you know, I, I think a lot of it matters. And, uh, and hopefully uh, your listeners enjoyed it. But uh, thanks for having me on. It's been really fun. It's been, I, I've really enjoyed it. But then again, I'm a dorky geek and, uh, and, and you have like the geekiest stuff online. So that's why we love it. Thanks so much, Kyle. It was great to talk to you.